Joined by Joe, and we have a very special third guest, actually. Well, well, guest, not third guest, just one guest. Uh, and that is Curtis, who also writes for the Charging Buffalo as a member of our our little crew that we have going on here. Curtis, uh, welcome to the show. Um, I told you before we went on the air here, but I'm, we're, I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, Joe's as well. Um, happy to have a, a third person along for the ride for the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm very excited to, to be a part of this and join on for my first podcast ever. Absolutely. And hopefully it won't be the last, because um, especially with the draft coming up, uh, see if we that draft show again. Uh, but before we get into things, of course, I'd like to remind you that this show is brought to you by Just Dish and Hockey. Use the promo code PTB at checkout, and you'll get 10% off any order on that website uh so last time we came to you guys two weeks ago was it joe i think yeah, it was it was before my your yes your horrific <laughs> uh wound that you sustained um yeah for for those who don't follow me on twitter i uh two weeks about that was two weeks ago yesterday actually uh, i was going for a nice jog at night and you know, sometimes the sidewalks aren't always even. Mm-hmm. And the sidewalk uh, was probably raised about a good six inches. I didn't see. I fell and I uh, took a spill and broke my elbow. So I went to the hospital that night. And then uh, probably a few days later, I had surgery. So I'm recovering now. It's not in as much pain. I got my splint off today. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's very horrific. If you want to see what the elbow looks like, just ask. This is the first time I've heard your voice and like actually spoken to you since the last time we were on. Um, and obviously, this happened after that. Uh, are 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 you scared of being put under? Because I haven't been put under since I was. I've never broken a bone, so I've never had surgery of any kind. I haven't been put under uh, since I was like four when I was getting like gold caps put in my teeth. So I don't really remember it. But I'm like I'm scared now of being put under. Are you like that? They did not they did not put me under. Oh, I wanted wow. to, I wanted to be asleep. Mm-hmm. They when I got to uh, a place that I had my surgery, they were like, "Yeah, we're not gonna knock you out." And I'm like, "Oh." Did they just like take <laughs> you up? Yeah, they I I was I was gone. I was yeah, I was completely <sighs> gone. I I actually fell no asleep. So. Yeah, I <gasps> remember laying in the hospital bed done like they did some work like i had an iv put in me and then like because like they completely blocked off all feeling in my left side okay like i couldn't move it at all so they didn't give you like a like a, a bolt to bite down on and a shot of whiskey or anything oh no all right. but, uh, <laughs> so then they took me back i remember there was one lady who was being so rude to the oh. nurses and then once she left uh they started talking smack about her i what? thought it was so hilarious was it like a patient or um yeah yeah patient oh, wow. like hey what's what's your name or, uh how old are you blah blah and she was like yeah what does that matter to you and then <laughs> um well it's basic information so they can help you yeah like so, at that point um, you're just trying to be rude like you're not even oh, yeah. never mind 
Oh yeah. So, so then they took her away and then they started talking trash about her. And I thought it was so funny. And then they were talking about it again when I got in the room where they started doing the surgery and I was just so gone. I started like joking around with them about it, but that's all I remember. I, re- I remember before they covered my eyes with like a little like tarp. I like, cause I couldn't feel my arm. So they were just like grabbing my arm, looking at it and like, Ooh, that's, you took a big fall there. Huh? And I'm like, like because like I could see them touching my arm, but oh. like I couldn't feel it. It was so oh. bizarre to me. But the last thing I remember really was the nurse telling me, "Oh, this might hurt in your wrist a little bit," and then I just like because I know they didn't intentionally knock sleep yeah. much the night before because of all the pain. But yeah, I eventually just fell asleep. They said I was snoring. I don't know if they were kidding or not, though. But thing took about like forty minutes. But Which, then, oh sorry, I know. when I got home, oh man, like it was bad. Like this was the most excruciating pain I've ever had in my life. So don't break hurt. your elbow, folks. So oh yeah. Hurt. Okay, that was gonna be our next question. Oh yeah, yeah. What, it what hurt hospital? a lot. What it wasn't was in a hospital actually? Oh, it was. Okay. Uh, like an ambulatory center or something, I think it was called. It was on uh, Sweet Home Road. But okay, and the pain was just ten out of ten. Oh. Ten out of ten, the most excruciating oh. pain I've ever had oh. in my life. And like yeah, for about two about two days, it was like that. What do they call that? There's a t- they 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 have a measurement for pain. I'm not sure. Uh, let me look it up. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I am. It's the pain. So that is exactly why we have not had a podcast for you folks in the past couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll be able to be back on the once a week basis. We can have some more guests on and then just have some fun for you guys. Okay. All right. So anyone else got anything before we get into news for neighbors? Uh You know what? It looks like a dole is a measurement of pain. That's the unit. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but a dole. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else got anything before we start? Mm, no, I've been having a plethora of car problems and reading a lot of books, but that's it. You drove a car for the first time today. Oh God, like, really? Weeks. Yeah. How that? It was okay. Yeah, because I I had my my new splint on. It went fine. No pain. Okay. Like, and I just want to I just want to go fill up my gas tank. I want to go deposit some money in the bank i just have know? so many questions now about this surgery because i've never like experienced that break your elbow i don't think you want to no it. i don't want to at all <laughs> not fun not fun i'll tell you that right no it doesn't seem it. <clears throat> all right so uh first bit of news this came out yesterday the buffalo sabers are apparently close to signing jesper olafson to an nhl contract he is actually the brother of Victor Olofsson, and I believe he plays for Fariestad in the Swedish Hockey League. So I don't know if any of you have any familiarity with this player or not, but uh, going off this elite prospect page. <laughs> not on my radar for anything, not even like a draft years ago or didn't even know he had a brother. Yeah, exactly. That's that, right. I didn't even know he had a brother. Uh, if you type his name into the address bar on Google, it comes up soccer player, but shows a picture of him. I don't know. Does he play soccer too? <laughs> I'm kidding. 
five SHL has hit digit goal for seasons. Past two seasons, he scored 17 goals. So I believe he was like top five or seven in points in the Swedish league too, which it's not terrible, but just for comparison's sake, 17 goals in each of his past two seasons. Olofsson here in the Swedish Hockey League, I believe he had 27 goals. I'm going to double-check that, though. But Jesper is also 28 years old, so I know people see, like, oh, Victor Olofsson's brother, he must be good. But I, I Granted, I have never seen this man play. I don't know. Yeah. This is just... I, what I see in front of me, Joel Lundquist and uh, Matthew Baron would say otherwise to that theory. I know they're both the brothers, but still, goals forty points is last year in Honda. Yeah, yeah no, I just I mean, don't see it as like a viable. Like, a Rochester depth guy, but yes, of him being a twenty-eight-year-old. And the cracking in the NHL. I just I think somebody saw said it on Twitter. I don't know who, but they kind of use it as like, ploy to get us to sign Olofsson to a friendly deal or something. Right. Since we're very cost cognizant now. That's kind of I don't know. That's I just think that's such a weird I don't want to think of it like that. I don't want to think I mean, we've seen what the owners have done during this pandemic and stuff, so I don't want to I don't I feel like nothing is too evil for them to do, but I feel like that's, that's just dirty and underhanded. You know? Yes. Yeah, I just, I don't like the sound of that. But I mean, it's, it's possible. Right, right. Remember the Cal O'Reilly thing, too? We signed, oh yeah, um, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly's that's brother. There's a precedent here. There is, there is, yes. Forgot Cal O'Reilly was a thing. Right. Completely for yep, AHL player. Yep, AHL player. Where do you go to Toronto? If you look, you Rochester's depth—it's terrible. Like, oh, yeah. I do. We even have any like prospects down there? Up and down. Oh, no. good. I believe is going to require waivers to get to Rochester. So oh, that's great. that ship is probably. Asplund it will probably lose at some point. I'm not sure though. He doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, but actually I can find all of this out by going to Cap Friendly. I'll look for you guys, but there's no really no one. Who knows if they're gonna sign Marcus Davidson? Borgen, Bryson uh, and Borgen and Bryson are the only viable defensemen who might crack the league. That are on that team right now. Um, for, yeah. yeah, like I don't, and I, Buffalo last year though, but I don't know if I'm like I don't want to bank on him being here next year. You know? No, it's not very. It's not looking very pretty. No, not at all. You're uh, kind of like forcing Roots aligning to play up in the big club. Right, maybe Asplund, I don't think he needs waivers. Looks like he he needs fifty one more games before he uh 
needs waivers to get back down. So he's probably okay. Let's look at Thompson. I'm still excited for Espel. Thompson's got, Thompson's got 53 games left before uh, waivers. So he's got a mm-hmm. little more time. They could actually put him down there. Be a little strategic Middle stat about it. That has 46. That has 46 NHL games before that. Pilot has 14. No, I mean, just looking at this, everybody on that team, and probably the reason they're all like they're a good team is because they consist of so many like NHL uh, veterans, not young guys who, um, like that's my concern right now with Rochester is like we don't have any guys who could actually be an option for the big club. It's just uh you know making sure Rochester is productive doesn't mean much to me in terms of like, you know, making sure there's guys down there that are actually being groomed to be here. Right. Um but no like Look at all these guys who have been in the NHL for a while that are that comprise this team. Uh, John Sebastian Dea, uh, Remy Ali played for a while, Taylor Lear, uh, Kevin Porter, Journeyman, if there ever was one. Uh, C, you know, CJ Smith, uh, maybe throw him in there because he's an older guy, 25, he's older for minor leagues. CJ Smith, a group six free agent, or is he an RFA? He's, it looks like he's an RFA. He's got one more year. Never mind. But what do they have down there? Like Ogilvie is okay. Scott uh, Wilson will definitely. I don't think Scott Wilson will be back. Cousins, uh, he'll be in either WHL or Buffalo. How about Brett Murray? He's on an AHL deal. I don't. I don't know if I'm him to. Uh, I don't know what their plan is for him. Honestly, is that. I would probably start him in Rochester next year. Asplund, I would start him in Rochester too, unless like unless Middlestat has oh, excuse me an amazing training camp. I wouldn't put him in Buffalo to start because, it, and it's a shame all this happened because right when he started to produce and play better, this is what happened. The mm-hmm. pandemic started and the season was cut short. Even Thompson got hurt and he was playing well, like. His first yeah, game up and Thompson goes out. Thompson was playing so well in Rochester. He was actually starting to produce at a very high level, but then he got hurt in that Chicago game. Uh, Matei Picard should be in Rochester next year. And it seems like people are finally starting to realize that this guy is not anything special. I know he's a fan favorite because of development camp, but temporary expectations of this player. Uh, JSDA, he'll be on there for another year, CJ Smith as well. Uh, Taylor Lear and Remy Ali are RFAs. Who knows if they're even brought back? I highly doubt Dalton Smith is back. And then Byro and Dawson. So that's a pretty underwhelming forward core, if you ask me. So adding Jesper Olofsson, uh, the player who was Ruth Salinen's line mate, his name is escaping me. Sumali, I think his name is. I think he's a centerman too, so that would be nice help because when you look at the center core, it's not that great. Did you guys see that golden helmet he wore? Totally get by, but oh, the defense though is something I think interesting. So, Curtis. 
was like the team leader in points or something. Or yeah. Got to wear that sweet gold helmet. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember that being a thing in uh, NHL 06 in the shootout mode. And But it turns out teams actually do that overseas. <laughs> uh, the defense for Rochester is interesting, too, because you look how young they are. You got Bryson, mm-hmm. Borgen, Fitzgerald, Samuelson, and now there's a rumor that Oscari Laxanen is could possibly be signed to an NHL deal soon. Really? Actually, well, they they darn well need him. Uh, but that should probably bring in a nice veteran that can actually play. Like, with all due respect to Nathan Pache, <laughs> can he play anymore? Right. You know? Like a guy that can go between the NHL and age. Like, uh, like, like, um, like a Lucas Pisa. Someone like that. Yeah, someone like that. But like, I think Redmond signed with some team overseas, so he's gone. Mm-hmm. Not sh- like like they do have like Brandon Hickey and Matthew Spencer who are RFAs too. Who knows if they're gonna get signed? You got John Gilmore down there too, who's a UFA. Who knows if he's signed? So yeah, who knows? Because like they could always draft a player that's like a seventy five percent chance in the top two rounds. Mm-hmm. They could easily draft. Tom Lundell, seventh or eighth overall. Then you, they add him in Rochester. He's someone who I think could step right into their lineup. The there's for the second round that would be able to step into Rochester's lineup, but that's something to think about because I think it's important. It's definitely important for Rochester to be good, but this year with just the pure lack of important pieces down there, I just didn't really care about them that much to really. To yeah, be disappointed that their playoff run was cut short. Like, yeah, it would have been nice for Middlestat Thompson and to get that experience, but like none of them there's not a lot of prospects down there. And we're gonna talk more about that later in the episode, but uh it's due to trading so many draft picks and not being able to draft. That's why they don't have any prospects on Rochester. <laughs> I um, I'm just scrolling through the free agency list on Cap Friendly right now. I completely forgot that Eric Gustafson was traded to Calgary. Not what? for much. Thing. Yeah. It was like a third round. Wow, I love Eric Gustafson. I wouldn't mind him. You know, like that's like um, we're talk. We're gonna talk uh later about. Uh, one of the questions is like overseas players, like someone like that is who I'd love to get to help out. You know, like that's a prime example of an overseas guy um, working out. Neighbors never are able to get that player to work out, though. No. That's the thing. When I was thinking about this, when the Olafson signing was brought up yesterday, like how. Like so many other teams are able to bring in these undrafted free agents, whether it's overseas or college, and it works out. Mm-hmm. And it just never works out. The Sabres, like Victor Antipan, didn't work out. Who knows if it. I put that in how it helps. So, and all of it's going to work out. It's found money if it does work out, but if it doesn't, who cares? It's probably a one or two year deal. He's going to be in Rochester and he's going to be depth. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'm not giving anything up to sign this guy. And I understand it's easy to get mad at 
the, the Sabres for everything they do right now, but I'm not going to get mad at them for signing Victor Olsen's brother. Like, yeah, why are you signing his brother? But who cares? In the big picture, it's really meaningless. We need we need yeah. to focus on drafting better and finding a way to fill out the top six. Speaking of drafting better, I don't think brought this up on the last episode, but bracket scout or he might even be the assistant GM in Vancouver. It looks like he's on the way out there. They have clashing clashing of heads there. And then also Mike Fuda who yeah. scouting in LA. They're gone. So they would be perfect. Either one or even both would be perfect additions to the scouting staff in Buffalo because they just need more more minds in the room. That's what I think at least because clearly what they've been doing past 15 years not working the fact that Getting nobody seems to recognize draft this in. like what are they doing I don't get it they bring in your scouting guy another good scout would be would do wonders I think at least much could it really cost but like remember do you guys remember how many years ago when Terry Pagula bought the team? Yes. And he said there's no salary cap for scouting or anything else. And oh, the I Sabres are not going to be behind in that regard. Your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Our one guy in the data analytics department. And he got furloughed. A furloughed. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, that's great. They have no analytics department anymore. And that uh, scouts were being told to or scouts are going to start looking for new jobs, the Sabre scouts at least so maybe they've got something in mind but that won't be until after this draft and this is a very crucial draft for this team so we'll see makes me nervous I don't know, I don't know there's really there's nowhere to go but up, but we keep we keep saying that, and it yeah. keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like I've heard that before on this podcast. That's how they managed to go deeper. Right, speaking of draft, uh, last time we came to you guys, there was a lot of talk about an early June draft, a mid June draft, but it looks like that has seemingly died. Uh, it's word coming out. Over the past few days, the, the draft, the focus could be shifting to late August, early to mid-September. Because so, uh, at this point, the finishing of the regular season is probably done. Uh, that hope is long gone. So there's a talk of a 2014 playoff, and the Sabres will not even be in it anymore because I think <laughs> they're going to go up a point percentage, which would leave them right on the outside looking in. They can't even make the playoffs when there's 24 teams. I think that's it's hilarious. But like, I didn't really want. I think I said this on the last time we recorded. I don't want them to make the playoff. I, I want. I want to be real. You know, I don't, I want this playoff drought to be ended the right way, not because there's 24 teams in the playoff because of pandemic. You know. Yeah, that wouldn't count at all. If they even if they did, I wouldn't count that as them making. The I wouldn't. I, that I wouldn't count it personally. Absolutely, right. but should be interesting a 2014 playoff i wonder how they're gonna work it but 
I'm excited for it to get to watch hockey again. I don't have to watch the Sabres until December or January now. And that gives them even more time to fire Jason Botterill. So soon, please do it on his birthday. Today oh, is his birthday. That, yeah, that's Happy right. Birthday, Jason. Go find a new job. That's another thing. We've got to mention uh, the reason for the music at the top of the show is uh, Jason Botterill's birthday. So he's probably having the most unpleasant birthday of all time. Um, I hope all of his friends drove past his house wailing on their horns. They God, just get in all like, these kids, all these kids on my street, their birthdays in 30 AM. These caravans of cars are coming by wailing on their horns, waking me up. You I, know, I, I don't understand. I heard actually uh, that in typical Jason Bottrell fashion, he spent a lot of money on this party and it was really underwhelming. <laughs> spent all of his money and got no return right exactly nobody brought any gifts <laughs> happy birthday jason Bobro. i see when i was on a walk the other day i think i've talked about that i did the sabers 5k over the summer mm-hmm. i got a better time than jason Bobro saying he was in it he was in it <laughs> well, I'll, I'll i'll look it up i'll look it up time what was he doing there <laughs> i don't know i'll i'll tell you what his time was compared to mine though <laughs> i don't know why it's so funny to me oh that's great oh, there's pictures, there's pictures of you, situation where you need to understand what the f- want to see <laughs> he like he was probably surrounded i'm just imagining him running and he's just like panting for air and the whole time, there's just a dude running beside him, stride for stride, just completely unfazed, just, like, bothering him about the team. All right. Out of 989 participants, I believe, I came in 24th. Oh, my God. You're probably the one who actually trained for this thing. I came in 24th. It's got a future career for you. This was my first race, too. <laughs> first ever race 21 minutes and three seconds i finished the 5k so now i'm gonna search for botterill joe i am impressed but i must ask why would you put in that much effort for anything this team does <laughs> i don't know but uh okay bot jason botterill he came in 230th place Good. well well and okay came in 21st place in his age group for him what's his age group though Oh, um, that's a good question. Grizzled vet. That's a good question. He's forty-three years old. One time was twenty-six thirty-five. I finished about four minutes quicker than him. Oh my! That's God. a very respectable time, though, for a man yeah. of his size. He's a big guy. He's a big boy. Yes, big guy. So, um, I still did better than him. I take pride in that. I don't know why. <laughs> no, you did. He's a. I mean, he's a former D one. Any, uh, you know, D one hockey player. Yeah, in, NHL? in the NHL. Played in the NHL, yeah. First round pick. He was a first round pick of Dallas. Big button draft. Good lord! <laughs> oh, for that first round that year was was atrocious. What year was that? Like two thousand or something? It was like ninety six or ninety seven, something like that. Okay. Did you know Jason Barrel won three World Junior gold medals? Yeah, yes, isn't he the only person to do that? The only person <laughs> like captain Canada or something to three World Junior championships or something? I don't know. I think they, there's some wild statistic like that where he, he captained them three years in a row or was like on the team three years in a row and some kind of record. 
Uh, do you guys have a preference to when the draft should be? Whether it's in June at some point, or after all the work I did like last couple of weeks mentally preparing for it, I kind of wish it was in June now. But mm. oh, it's, it's like weird. Yeah, I feel, feel bad weird. for you guys because you put so much work into your coverage and stuff, and like you've been pushing out tons, and uh, you know, I don't want that to be lost on uh, people. Like, if it, you know and like push back or anything yeah. like that nice thing is now i can kind of like coast into august or september right a lot of the work is already like it's a lot of just like the mental like, understand what's going on and kind of sift through it all and then regurgitate it out into an article format so mm-hmm. yeah, like nothing nothing's gonna be perfect Obviously, with everything that's going on, the 2014 playoff off season is going to be pushed back. Next season is going to be greatly affected by it, too. Who knows if they're even going to be able to get back to regular format going forward for a couple more years. They're going to have to probably do a condensed schedule. It's going to be crazy, do a probably. But schedules, that would probably... Yeah, I'll probably yeah. get them back on track for a couple more years, but the salary cap is going to be greatly affected by this. Oh, There's probably going to be a flat cap for the next three or three years and that's going to suck for the savers because oh, you got the Darlene and PRU extensions that looming in a, in a year or two so awesome. yeah it's got all that cap space that looks like we have is going to go away very quickly yeah, and the flat exactly. cap is just going to destroy us and we're going to have more cap penalties <laughs> but they're Probably when it's all said and done after, I assume they're not going to trade Brandon Montour. They they might trade Ristolainen, but I don't see them having much cap space to do much. I I hate to say it, but I don't really see them making a whole lot of changes. Like I maybe they'll make a trade. They're probably going to keep the same goaltending tandem. Their defense, they're all locked in for at least another year for the most part. I don't know. I don't know. They probably sign Wayne Simmons. Larson and Gergensen's walk is why the heck would they want to sign a gun? So then you got to get two new fourth line players. And that's a downgrade because the, the log line was fantastic this year. They were really good. So do they get a second line center? That's really the big thing. But they're probably just banking on Dylan Cousins stepping in and making a difference. Oh, that's a. Big, big mistake. I mean, they tried doing that already. We saw what happened. I do have more confidence that Dylan Cousins can do it instead of Casey Middlestat, but... Yeah, I agree there, but mm-hmm. still a lot to throw on him. Really want to ease him into the whole situation to begin with. Oh, that would be just... The, you know... Go ahead, go ahead. Plenty of businesses fail because they don't learn from their past mistakes. And that is is just what the bill, not the bills, the Sabres are doing right now. If they are to actually pluck Cousins and put them in that same spot that they tried putting Middlestad in. And it's funny because I could absolutely see them doing that too. See, my thing is, could they potentially get the team in a deep enough state this off season to the point where cousins has to go back to the WHL. Oh, that would, it would just, I don't, I don't think that's possible because it would require trading a ton of stuff that we can't either don't have or can't afford to trade. 
Uh, or, I mean, we don't even have money to do so. If we wanted to go out and yeah. spend a bunch on free agents, I don't, you know, they can't do that. So uh, Cousins, I mean, he's put in a horrible spot either way, it looks like. The center depth is just so bad because currently it's just it's just Eichel, middle stat. But I don't think he played much. Didn't play much of center in the NHL. Lazar can play center too, but in the second line role, which is like, yeah. oh, they really just all this could have been avoided. Could have been avoided. That fateful day in the summer of 2018, July 1st, 2018. Yeah, day that will be uh, lived in infamy. That date, Buffalo needs you to skip over that day. <laughs> nothing ha- nothing counts on July 1st. Just skip it. Stop. Well, July 1st this year, uh, nothing will be going down that day. There will probably be a playoff game of some sort. Hopefully. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, don't, I don't like this. This offseason scares me. And, you know, we do this deep thinking, and then you realize... There's, there's, or you realize there's no end in sight, and it's just going to be a revolving door every offseason. Talk about, you know, this is going to be the storyline from here on out. We take in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's, let's think of some positives. Let's think of some positives. Uh, so, do you have, as of right now, the seventh overall pick? Because it's trending to the point where uh, there's going to be a draft in August or September, there will actually be able to be a point where they will actually be able to trade players at the draft and actually add pieces to the team. So there's your potential addressing the center position for the second line, maybe adding another wing or two, fixing the defense, trading Ristoline and Montour. Maybe getting a goalie, who knows? But that could be done now. And if the draft was in June, that would scare me a lot because they wouldn't be able to trade players. We can't have ourselves handcuffed even more than we already are. We need to have that ability to do something like that. Right. And I think the league has to recognize that too, is that you know there's teams like the Sabres and like every team that isn't making the playoffs. Um. And plus, maybe factor into teams like the Coyotes and the, the Panthers and stuff who already um, don't make money, really. Um, kind of sway in favor of them, too. Um, that, you know, you have to include all this stuff uh, or give enough time for, like, trades to take place and whatnot. hope you get what I'm saying. But So look at, like, Montreal. They have like 13 or 14 draft picks this year. Do you think they were going to go into that draft in 14 players? They want to trade those picks. Now they probably would have, if the draft was in June, they would have had to, you know, trade up. That's the only way they could have used those picks as currency, but, or trade back into the next draft or two. That's all they would have been able to do because Montreal, they don't want to be bad any longer. They're, they want to trade those picks and get players. Also, something that has been brought up 
over the past week or so, the potential of trading the seventh overall pick. Where do you guys stand on that question? Oh, I'm anti doing it. I, it all boils down for me to the fact that I just don't think there's a, a team would make a deal with you to make trading seventh overall worth it. Yeah. I mean, by, I'm all, all, by all means, I'm, I'll do it and get the right return for it. But I mean, for how deep this top 10 is, like, I think there's a lot of legitimate first line players in that top 10 and a very good likelihood that they make that or meet that potential. So like, that's where I'm coming from. And like, I don't think we're in a position where we trade seventh overall and we get this second line center or second line winger. And we're all of a sudden a cup contender because we're not, we're so many pieces away. It's like, I'd rather take that guy that's going to be a first liner in two or three years than have a second line center. That's when my team's not ready to make the jump. There's not many players out there that would be available. Like Thomas Hurdle gets brought up in there, but Hurdle's only got a couple of years left on that contract. He could walk free agent and then Marco Rossi is producing 70 points and is on a different team in Buffalo. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you have to, you have to, it's a balancing act. Exactly what it is. Oh, the 2021 first round pick need to trade that pick. Sure. That has to be traded and like, look at what the Vancouver Canucks did. Need to do what the Canucks did. Yeah, Curtis, I I I agree with you. Is like it's going to be hard just to find a trade that makes it worthwhile. Trade the seventh pick, you know, like because I mean, if if a team is in the situation where they're doing that, it's probably going to be trading a player that already costs too much money. That is just that has to be unloaded, or um, you know, maybe they're aging or something. Not you know that's less likely. Um, so I just think it's, you know, you might as well use it on a young player who can develop into something great. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe this is going back here. So whenever that trade happened with Ottawa and um, the Mark Stone thing, oh, right. you know, something player like that. I'm, I know that's like reaching high for seventh overall, but like, that's kind of what I would want. That's the type of player that I would want to, be like, all right, yes, you have to do this because they have to get rid of that player and they would rather have the pick. So here's the money, take the player and move on. Yeah, It has to be like, and Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly were available in 2014, 2015. Like, can some a situation like that arise where the Sabres can take advantage of it? Yeah. Like, Riley, how old was O'Reilly when Colorado traded him? Like, 24? Yeah, 24, 23. Yeah. Like a young center like that. Like that is the dream of what the Sabres need to happen this offseason. That's exactly what needs to happen. It needs to be a player like Ryan O'Reilly. Young. About to be a restricted free agent and they can sign him to a nice team friendly deal. That's exactly what needs to happen. Man, by all means, by all means, trade the seventh overall pick if they can get the right player that they can sign to a contract and is under team control for a long time. But if not, use the pick and get 
Marco Rossi, get Cole Perfetti, get Anton Lundell, get a get a center, then bon. Trade that twenty twenty one pick though. I, I would I would trade both of them without thinking if the right deal came along. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where it becomes interesting if you trade seventh and the twenty twenty one first in a package for like somebody really good. Because they do have assets. Their strongest assets are those two draft picks, without a doubt. And then you got like Ristolainen, you got uh, Montour, you got Thompson, Middlestat. Besides that, what are you what are you looking at there? You got Reinhardt, but why would you trade Reinhardt? Worried that they do. I wouldn't be surprised. Though there's always one fall guy every year. Mm-hmm. He's the fall guy this year. For some reason, Ristolainen has not been the fall guy yet, but we'll see. We shall see, uh, indeed, as always is the case with this cursed team. Okay, now now the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Yes. Tim Murray versus Jason Botterill. Now, this has been something that has been brought up on Sabres Twitter a lot recently, and I thought we could chime in on this. Tim Murray or Jason Botterill, who's better? Are they the same? One distinctly worse. What do you guys think? Oh. It's like so close. They have so many negative qualities. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Who is worse? Okay. Worse is Jason Bottrell. Because I think, of. I, think I agree. Like, like, look, I mean. Just look at where the team has finished the standings when both guys were here. Tim Murray took the team that was at the bottom and brought them to the middle. Uh, really? You know, kind of improved them. Jason Bottrell took that team and brought it right back down to the bottom. Right? I mean, it, it can really be measured in uh, the point totals. For these two guys, I I agree. Uh, I think Tim Murray, but very very slightly, and I say very 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 slightly. Yeah, Tim Murray brought traded for Ryan O'Reilly. That was a fantastic trade, yeah. and that's something that they should have done. But Tim Murray's downfall was. The inactivity towards the end. And remember, his last year, he didn't make a trade. Yeah. He came out at like 4.30 or whatever, and he's like, what do you want to talk? Until five minutes before the deadline or something like that. And it's like, well, why weren't you calling? Why aren't you making... Oh, and like it seemed like his heart just wasn't in it too. Like the man just wanted to be a scout. I don't know what I. I still want Tim Murray to come on the podcast sometime. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> or be cool. Now he was very good at that. Like he, at least he gives you like a sound bite. Jason Bottle is just yes, a situation yes. where it's a situation oh, uh, where roll situation where... like the O'Reilly trade was good. Been three first round picks in the 2015 draft, which was great probably one of the best drafts in recent memory, and he traded two of those first-round picks. One I mean, for a goalie. And one for Robin Leonard, and Leonard has had transformation in his career, but when he was here, he wasn't that good. 
he was okay, but he wasn't anything special. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to have him at his current state on the team right now, but you know what? This wasn't the Robin Leonard that was in Buffalo. And granted, the defense was complete and utter train wreck in front of him, but oh well. Evander Kane, there's a lot of assets in that trade. A whole lot of assets. I like Joel Armia a lot as a player. He didn't really live up to his draft status, but it's a nice depth piece. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, depth piece. First round pick. Uh, they could have traded Drew Stafford to get extra picks instead of including him in that trade. They could have traded Tyler Myers elsewhere and gotten picks and prospects for him. They weren't at the right stage of the rebuild to the point where, okay, it's time to start building up. Yeah, that's the best way to play. The McCain and Leonard trades. When a player like Ryan O'Reilly becomes available and you can get him for two, a bust, uh, young NHL defenseman, Zadorov, a prospect like JT Comfort, and a high second round pick, you do it 100%. Yeah. But Kane and Leonard trades, I don't want to say the Kane trade was bad, it just didn't make sense, you know? For the for the t- for the team at the time, I knew Murray wanted to get better quickly, but yeah, it didn't make sense. It's too uh, quick. Yeah, I think he just didn't really understand like the lack of depth in the organization to fall um, in. Exactly. Like, who knows? Like, if, uh, drafting. We'll get to that in a second. Who knows who they would have picked if they kept those picks? Word is they would have picked Ilya Samsonov with one of those first round picks. Samsonov's a good goalie. But why are you picking a goalie in the first round? You know exactly. Uh, Whole philosophy, like between the two of them, I, I I think I would agree with you guys that Arnold's worse, and I think it's just the he's very timid and he doesn't seem to a risk taker mentality that Murray had, even though it it did have its pitfalls. But with Bottle, it's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Also, people forget the Braden McNabb trade. Oh. McNabb and two second-round picks for Sin Fashing and Nick Delorier. Sorry, I'm going to change my vote, Murray. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> but... I think Murray's moves had a plan, whereas it feels like everything Bottrell does is just trying to put a Band-Aid on like, a leaky boat. Oh, yeah, you are, you are absolutely right. I, yeah, Murray, yeah, yeah. although like, his plan didn't work... He had a plan. He had a plan. <laughs> he had a plan. Just trying to be the Eastern Conference version of the LA King. It's exactly what it, what he wanted. He tried to get big, and although at the wrong time, he had a plan. He thought Nick Delorier and Hudson Fashing would add grit to the lineup, and they would have been good. That just did not happen. But I respect the hustle. Yeah, completely botched that rebuild. But if you look at the Kings, they had Braden Shen, Wayne Simmons. They made those trades against uh, Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, and it brought them to win the Stanley Cup. But that philosophy just didn't work Buffalo because it was they're, the wrong time. Yeah, and their number one center at the time was also very well established in Carter. No, we were like buying on Eichel and combination of O'Reilly to be and at that same level of 23 24 year old 
the lead one two punch and they just weren't ready for it you couple that with atrocious drafting like 2014 they had they picked second reinhardt's a really good player but man like you want more from a second overall pick nice and I segue. Don't reinhardt but <laughs> and <Segway>. like <laughs> you want more like leon dreisaitl one of the best players in the league would have been nice knows if realizes that potential in buffalo though i have no idea development is voodoo uh they had three second round picks that year and then they they traded the one that actually became an nhl player in lemieux but cornell and karabachuk i don't even know what Voslav karabachuk is doing anymore <laughs> i have no idea i don't know what he's doing anymore i don't even know if he's playing hockey but I think Eric Cornell played for Rochester last year, didn't he? Cornell on an AHL contract. <laughs> like, he's doing like Cornell was good in juniors. He, he was a high producer for the Peets, but what happened? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And granted, the 2014 draft was bad. It, it's not a good draft by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just so bad. And then they picked Jonas Johansson with the first pick in the third round, I believe. Uh, Bryson Martin in the third round, passing on Braden Point. And I know people will say, oh, that's revisionist history. Braden Point should have been, at the very least, a high second-round pick. That guy tore up the WHL's draft year. I don't know why he slid that far. I really, I, I've said it many times on this podcast, I really wanted Braden Point. And my grandpa tricked me into thinking we got him when uh, they drafted Bryson Martin. Bryson Martin... They didn't even invite to development camp, for God's sake. He was under contract. They didn't even want him to come to their own development <laughs> camp. Come on. Uh, he was talking about how he lost confidence in, in himself throughout his time playing that season. Like, Why are we drafting this guy? Do they even talk to him at the Combine? Like, Clearly, there was something wrong there. They, like, and that they did get Victor Olofsson. I don't know if anyone read the athletic story that I think John Vogel or Tim Graham wrote on Olafson, that was a good story, but like that seemed like an accident. Right. Even picking Olafson. So that draft was a disaster. 2015, they got Eichel, but nothing else. Gooley was an interesting second round pick. I wanted Vince Dunn at that point, and I thought they were going to pick Vince Dunn. I was thinking about this yesterday uh, at the t- CHL Top Prospects game. Uh, Murray was talking at the intermission. He was talking about how much he liked Vince Dunn. You, like, you don't really see that all that often GM's talking about prospects that they really like. So I thought they were in pick done. He, I was really high on him that year, but they go with Gooley instead who now he's basically a fringe NHL player and they get nothing else throughout that draft. 2016 rolls around. What happens? They got pretty much nothing. I don't even know if pretty much is an answer for that. They got nothing. Uh, Alex Nylander, eighth overall, they did trade him for Henry Yokiharu, who looks like he's going to be pretty good. Uh, Asplund, you trade up to get him. Passing on some really good players. Had four third-round picks. Four. They had four third-round picks. They traded one of them to trade up to get Asplund for some reason. And to get Dmitry Kulikov, another thing. like Murray couldn't identify defensemen. He just couldn't identify defense. Like that was one of his biggest downfalls. He couldn't fix the defense. 
and then he trades up to get Kulikov, and he's supposed to save the team. That just didn't happen. And they trade one of the other third-round picks for Jimmy Vesey. And then oh that happens God. again over the last <laughs> offseason. He doesn't sign with them. They gave up a third-round pick for nothing. Draft Cliff Pooh and Casey Fitzgerald as well, and then nothing else in that draft will even see the light of day. Besides one player, Brandon Hagel. Brandon Hagel, pretty, oh, he was good in juniors. And then you know what happened? Jason Bowerl didn't sign. Yeah, no, he's was, uh, getting a shot with uh, Chicago. Right. <sighs> God, like, anything go right. Anything go right. Like, what, what right move was made besides the Ryan O'Reilly trade? Ryan O'Reilly trade. It's like, if you're willing to sign Jesper Olofsson, why would you not be willing to give a contract to Brandon Hagel? Exactly. <laughs> The man <laughs> doesn't like. Yeah, uh, I don't see, understand. Um, uh, Curtis, I believe what Bob likes to do is uh, answer the questions before you ask them. He doesn't like to get the questions first or what have you. <laughs> then okay, then Murray gets fired. I I at the time I thought it was ridiculous, but now I understand. Look back. They were in such a better state. Not and not really though, like because their prospect covered was bare bones, complete bare bones. But <laughs> man, they were close, a lot closer to being good. I think I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, I think if any competent drafting class, you could go back like our 2013. Any competent drafting over those years, and you were not in this just. Deep, deep hole. Darcy Regeer. Darcy Regeer can be put in this conversation, too. They had four first-round picks in two years. 2012, Grigorenko and Gergensen. 2013, Ristolainen and Zadorov. Grigorenko and Gergensen are supposed to be your top two centers. Ristolainen and Zadorov is your shut-down first pair. That's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, they wanted to be big. They wanted to exactly. They wanted to be harder to play against. You look at those beyond blue and gold. We wanted to be harder to play against. That's what they say. Uh, Gregorenko and Gergensen's. You pick Thomas Hurdle and Tavo Teravainen instead of them. Things are a lot different. Twenty thirteen, you go with Bo Horvat and uh, Anthony Mantha instead of Ristolainen and Zadorov. Things are a lot. Yes, Mantha was my guy that year. That was not revisionist history. That could have easily happened. I think the bigger question is why don't they choose to like take some of those guys? I, mean, I just like want to know why. Like, is there why would Anthony Mantha higher you? Like, well, I know they tried to get Max Domi. If you look, if you watched the. Like I think uh, the Blue Jackets had a behind-the-scenes 2013 draft video. Uh, Darcy was trying to trade it up to get the a pick. He was trying to get up to one of those Columbus picks to get Max Domi, but then the Coyotes picked him, and they were like, yeah, sorry, a deal's off. So they were trying to get a forward, but then they are like, oh, this big truculent defenseman who doesn't have any hockey sense is on the board. Let's pick him. Okay. I don't know. And then 2013 too, they had three second round picks. Three second round picks. Justin Bailey, Connor Hurley, and uh, 
JT Comfer. Comfer was the only good pick. Comfer is the only good second round pick they've had in the past seven years. Isn't that insane? It's awful. I, the second uh, round has been a wasteland for us. Oh yeah, yeah. That's probably like where our worst picks have come from. Is the second the round. Cave was a cave was a round in twenty twelve. Uh, oh, I mean, like the, yeah. Like it, you want to you want to get like a top four defenseman or a top six. If you can get a player in the second round, a real player, I, I think that's win, but you're obviously shooting higher. Like they, Connor Hurley, I think it was like the 37th overall pick. They didn't even sign the guy. Never even heard of Connor Hurley until they picked him that year. He was the youngest player in the draft right out of high school. Jason Martin, they didn't, even, they didn't even invite him to development camp. You know what Connor Hurley's he was like Karabachuk, like you made the cashier at a local grocery store or something. <laughs> I have no idea. But the, I have fans. He went to school with Connor. School. The, the, the second round really is like no man's land in World War One. Like the first the first round being like, you know, one of the trenches and you have varying success there, you know, sporadic spread out. Yeah, you hit on some picks here and there. And then you get into the second round. It's just like there's mines and unpredictability and barbed wire. And you're probably going to die if you um, even try to take a risk. So you just play it safe, which is what this team has done. And it's backfired on them. And then you get to the third round. And, you know, that's uh, the other side of the, the, the no man's land, if you will. Had to squeeze in a early... Uh, 20th century war reference. That's from that year. Pretty good. I mean, like, I, I could see why they might have thought highly of him to pick him in the second round. Uh, his, the year after his draft year, USHL stats are really good, but he just could not get it together in college. He played for Notre Dame. Then he, I think he was trying to transfer to University of Minnesota, and then he just never went took a, com- a year completely off, and then he played in the ECHL last season, and then he was in Norway for Navrik Hockey this <laughs> season before the stoppage pick. But good on them for trying something. But like That's another thing. Like Connor Hurley, go boomer bust there. That's just something that doesn't happen for them anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like they're gonna go with the decent skating Swede, has decent playmaking ability, but can't score. Two way, two way center like Asplinder Davidson with a high second round pick, but doesn't have much offensive upside and is gonna be a third or fourth line center if he makes it. They're gonna pick a big low ceiling defenseman in the high second round. He might make it. He probably won't make it. Like, do we really think Matias Samuelson is going to be an effective NHL player? I don't think so. I'm higher on Ryan. Higher on Ryan. Weird. Like, I just don't understand why. Like, the points don't up. The goals and like that. That's that's the weird part for me. Wow. Just completely, I I went on a Twitter rampage the other day. I'll 
read you some of the data that I collected, if you even want to call it data, but he just spent so, oh, so many picks on nothing. Like you go back to one of his first trades, a fifth round pick for Scott Wilson, a fourth round pick for Sherry and Hunwick, three picks on Skinner, which I don't blame him for doing a first round pick for Montour traded two draft, he traded four draft picks to move up to get Aaron Hoogland and Philip Cedarquist. Hoogland didn't even play last year. A second and a fifth for Colin Miller, who doesn't even get to play because the coach doesn't like him. Another third round pick for Jimmy Vesey. A f- for Wayne Simmons that turns into a fourth if they sign him. Like, these are mind boggling moves. I don't understand. <laughs> like, when you're trading that, that sheer amount of draft picks, why aren't you getting any impact back? Skinner is the only player on that list that I like the deal. Uh, but I, that's just crazy to me when you have such a shallow prospect pool and it's even worse at forward and you're trading all these picks and you're getting nothing back. Yeah, it's shallow and the, the quality is just, it's not there. So you're, you have low volume and low quality. Exactly. That's why, that's why Rochester, we talked about this earlier, Rochester is suffering because of it. They're not a very young team. They don't have any good prospects down there besides for a couple guys. And it's all defense, too, because they've been picking so many defensemen. And you look at their draft strategy, too. It's completely staying away from CHL players. I don't get it. That's a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, they'll tell you it's a coincidence. It's just not. (laughs) I understand. Point of contention for me. (laughs) okay have some more years to develop before we can sign them but okay you pick some big swedish defense okay we'll say will warge crew william warge crew that a fifth or sixth round pick a couple years ago what's the point sign the guy no i i hope off i'm putting to get this off as best as I possibly can. Just because you hold their rights longer doesn't mean anything. If you're not going to sign them anyways, you're just wasting everyone's time in this process. Develop these players. And you have to identify which ones can develop in the system. And I just have zero confidence that any of these prospects in the system besides uh, Dylan Cousins, Uko Pekalukinen, and Eric Portillo like, there's not a whole lot of guys in the system that I have any confidence in. I have confidence, some confidence in Ryan Johnson, but so many guys, like Samuelson and Johnson, they passed on some really good forward prospects. That would be nice. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you look at, you just don't want these guys that you're picking and adding to your pipeline to be ones that are three years down the road, like, oh, yeah, they're our third-line center who plays 10 minutes or 12 minutes, our fourth-line guy. You don't want them to be these low-ceiling players. You need to... That's the time to take a swing. That's something that Regeer did do towards the end. Like, yeah, Justin Bailey, there was some hope and promise that he could be a top-six forward. Nick Baptiste, there was some promise for him, too. For guys right now, you look at Picard, Rasmus Asplund, Marcus Davidson, those are like your, and uh, R. Tewart Salinan, 
Those are your top forward prospects. Uh, uh, Thompson, Middlestat. Those guys are all going to bottom six forwards. Not a whole lot of upside in this pipeline right now. And they really need to address that this year because I know I'm looking forward to the that fall evening when <laughs> draft day comes. Second round comes up. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to watch it on TV or whatever, but I'll get the notification popping up. Oh, Buffalo Sabres select from the United States National Team Development Program. Tyler Cleven, six foot six defenseman that can't skate. I'm really looking forward to it. At least they might pick one really good in the first round. Hope. Podcast will be canceled if Jake Sanderson is picked by the Buffalo Sabres. I'm just saying what, right do now. We, do we take a break um, like out of memoriam? Like a yes. silence? Yeah, I just quit. <laughs> the Sabres, I'm done. That is that would be the breaking point for me. I become a new fan of a new franchise that has some competency drafting. Become a Seattle fan, or Rangers, one of the two, or Vegas. I, I, I don't know. Stick full time with the Jets, Carolina, I LA. Devote one hundred percent of my attention to them. This is another thing that I want to talk about. Thank you for mentioning that, Kurt Kings. Kings. Probably like four years ago, they were in cap jail and there was like no end in sight. Look at them now. The Kings are, might make the playoffs next year for all we know. Like they have some good players in their pipeline. Uh, they paid Gabriel Velarde in 2017. He had some injury problems, but he got brought up the, towards the end of last season. And he did really good. I think I saw his point production. It looked really nice. They have Akil Thomas, Rasmus Kupari. They all like all their top end picks last year. Urkot, Ejimo, they I mean they're so deep. Urkot, Fogmo, uh, and then uh, Hornfoot as well. Those three, I think they might even had another second round pick. And the Kings are going to have another high end pick this year too. And they're probably going to get if they can get like Jamie Drysdale in there too and solidify that defense again. The Kings are going to be good, and they're probably going to pass the Sabres soon. I would not be surprised at all. Just change those jerseys, please, Kings. <laughs> I hate their jerseys. Bring uh, purple the back. Bring the purple back. Like You don't see purple in the NHL right now. Why not? Bring it back. But They rocked that. That was their color. And the Kings can draft. May bring in Mike Fuda, because I guarantee you that man has some say in why the Kings are going to rebound because of how good they've been drafting. All right. Anyone else got anything on the Botterill versus Murray and the drafting debacle and everything else that has happened? I think that was a pretty uh, comprehensive evaluation of it. (laughs) Hopeless. Hopelessness. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. Follow me. It's uh, Joe TCB NHL. But I brought up this question uh, the other day. I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to tweet this. If you could choose one Sabres draft pick who didn't turn out and magically make them live up to or exceed their draft status, who would you choose? And I will uh, let you guys answer that. 
Oh, I'm gonna go with. I think Grigorenko would be the one for me. Just had so much kind of offensive potential coming out of the QMJHL that year, and I know he had some issues, and he was like a top three pick potential heading into that season, and then he just dropped off a little bit. But I think with the skill set he had, like it was just he could have been like a top six player in the NHL and I would have liked to seen him carry over that success. He had a junior into the NHL. Uh, I'm not going to go necessarily with a bust per se, but maybe someone who had a ton of promise and then, you know, they never quite got there again. Uh, Tyler Myers, if he could have built on a good one season um and granted that he's not a boss he's been a very productive and effective player in the league for quite some time uh but if he could have built on that first season um i mean he'd be the prototype defenseman you know he could skate um he had offense um and then something yeah. just happened where, you know, everything changed. Um, Didn't have Henry Linder anymore. Right. <laughs> everything. I mean, like, people thought he was going to be, like, a future multi-Norris winner. Oh, my God, yeah. It was Myers Media. Good. Yeah. So good. It was the year they won the division. But yeah. that was – I'll never forget that. Tyler Myers, like, the – I'll never forget like the, those first nine games. He was so good, and there was so much talk about, oh, will they send him back to junior or not? He he was so so good. I'll the, never um, forget that. The shootout winner Man. is the Lightning. Tampa, I believe. Oh, it was. Yeah, oh I went nuts that that time. It was like I believe Joe. I think that was the night of the uh, Lancaster Depew game. Actually, right. that year, yeah, weird tidbit. So long. But that was um, years ago. But um, Joe, I hope that that answer that meets your criteria here. Um, Yeah, one hundred percent. Because like, answer. I like that one. Of all the responses that I got, not one person said Tyler Myers. So that kind of. I I have a bias. You know, he. I have a soft spot for him. He's one of my favorite players ever for the Sabers because, well, I mean, I love. I met him and stuff in autograph signings. Got a picture from him. He's very nice to me when I was ten, and I spent. All of my Christmas money, his rookie season, on an authentic jersey from Laux Sporting Goods at the Galleria Mall. So that was quite an investment for young me. So um, personal bias there, but I wish that he kind of um, stayed the course. I've been thinking about this. There's so many options, but I think right now I'm going to say Zemgis Gergensen's. Mm. Because... Mm. What he was supposed to be is what they need the most. Good yes. two-way player that is actually going to be able to produce. And what he looked like during the tank year, he showed a lot of promise, and I think he would be my pick. Because like, if Gergensen's is your number two center right now, like the Ryan O'Reilly type, yeah, would he would he would fit the mold of what they need. Middles does Middlestat count yet? Like the jury's not even out on him yet. He's 21, 22 years old. I, I I don't know, but if 
he can magically turn up next year and be a 65-point scorer. Things are a lot better right now. Uh, if Nylander his potential earlier, things are a lot different. Nylander would you know, be a good Grigorenko, one too. Grigorenko would be perfect. Because Grigorenko costs us Eichel, probably. I would imagine. Almost did, too. Grigorenko, he came up at the end of the tank year. He was playing pretty well. I remember he scored in the Cam Mackins game. A lot of people said Grigorenko. A couple Morris Titanic answers. One person said Connor Hurley. Morris One Titanic, wow. Logan. What about any Pierre Turgeons? A couple people actually said okay. Pierre Turgeon. Turgeon, Rick Sealing, Seen in Armia. A uh, couple middle stats. Nylander, Gergensen's Yuri Novotny. Alsir, Zagrapan. Zagrapan is an interesting one because if Zagrapan is good, the Sabres extend their playoff window and probably make it a couple more times. This is the loss of Breer and Drury, too, because I believe he was a centerman. I, I don't recall correctly, but Zagrapan would be an interesting one. Let us know if you haven't already who you would like to magically resurrect their career and realize their potential because I think that was an interesting question. <clears throat> Reason why we have Curtis on the show right now is talk about the draft. So Curtis, do you have any prospects you would like to tell us about as you have been uh watching these prospects very closely over the course of the season? For sure. Yeah. I mean I guess we'll start with kind of what I'm thinking the top 10 here you know i mean it's such a deep draft and i we were talking with austin and walt about this a little bit too and it's just so hard to ranking together for him this year because there's just a lot to like and a lot of offensive upside for a lot of the forwards in this class specifically um for kind of who we're looking at at seventh overall i mean we know who first and second are going to be, though. I don't know. I've heard some things that second overall may not be by field, and that would be a bit of a curveball, but it wouldn't really impact who we would be selecting, in my opinion, at least. But, I mean, you're kind of looking at Rossi, Raymond, Drysdale, Holtz, Lindell, Perfetti is the group of five or six guys that we're going to be targeting or going to have the ability to draft and because it's those names that's why it would drive me nuts if we take jake sanderson out of anybody you know you're, you're talking about forwards here that they're playing in different leagues some in the shl some in liga a bunch in juniors and they're all just having phenomenal years and the talent level for what these guys can do in the future is first line potential for sure so, I mean, if we walk out of there with Marco Rossi, I'm going to be ecstatic. If we walk out of there with Lucas Raymond, I'll be ecstatic. Any of those guys I, I mentioned are, you're going to be in pretty good shape for who you want your top six to fill out as. Um, and then going back further than that, like your second round pick, there's, you know, I've got a bunch of guys that I'm kind of looking at and lately I've, I'd say over the last year or so, I've really taken to kind of how this, how these leagues project out 
and you, you look at the data and the statistics behind it and it gives you an indicator of saying like, yeah, if you do this well in this league, then maybe you're going to be, uh, you have a better chance of success and to make it in the NHL. And um, a lot of that has to do with the age of these players in their draft year. And I've kind of focused on uh, younger players that are kind of on the fringe of almost being draft eligible for the following draft. And Joe, you kind of touched on that on Twitter today with Nick Robertson from last year. And like, I think that was just like having that type of mindset is what I want the Sabres to start applying more and take chances on players that you almost kind of get a free year of development out of in their draft season. Any particular players for the second round that you have your eye on yet? Second, well, they don't have a third round pick either for now, at least until maybe they're able to trade guys out. But any as you have your eye on for um, the second, early second yeah. round? Tulio, I really have taken a liking to. I think he is just a very solid all around player. He's a center for Oshawa in the OHL. And he's having, he had a very strong year. And, you know, I think just he plays a game with like a real high intensity. He's very good offensively and he can play both ends of the ice very well. Um, I don't know that he has the offensive upside to be like, um, like a second liner. Maybe he's probably a middle six player at the end of the day, but he's very solid, just a very sound player and kind of, that's that's the type of player I want to get in the second round. Someone like him that you get that great effort out of, but also has the offensive upside to maybe be a second line player in the NHL. And, uh, and who who are uh, the red flag type players that are kind of expected to be picked by the Sabers at this point? Your low ceiling guys who are kind of overhyped, if you will. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, I yes, mean, it, it really, <laughs> really comes back to like the whole like them guys that are projected to go the college route or the USHL. So it's not really, I don't really have any names in particular. It's more just those leagues in general I kind of shy away from and get concerned with just because I think, like, I had sent that list the other day on Twitter that. You look at how many players that came out of the junior leagues since 2007 that have had careers in the NHL where there are over 300 career points and it's like over 200 players long in the list. And then you look at got drafted out of the uh, the college and all ranks and it's like 20 players there. Um, Jake McCabe's on the list with like 42 points or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, would think uh, it's time to start collecting players in the out of the CHL. I think so. I'm a big advocate for that. And like, I understand you may uh, have to do it for them, but at least the, the European players in the first round that uh, would be disposal of the Sabres with the 7th or 8th or ninth overall pick, whatever they're picking uh, after the lottery, they're good. Like Lucas Raymond, Alexander Holtz, Anton Lundell, I'd be very content with any of those three guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I mean. That's why I would be so frustrated. If... <laughs> very well. They have a great skill set and 
they all have that top line potential that we're in desperate need of. Uh, It'd be pretty easy for them to walk up there and okay, whoever it is at seven. Out of Lucas Raymond or Alexander Holtz, who do you think that Jack Eichel would be their fit? Ooh, a line mate for him. That's a very good question because, like, envisioning like if you put Holtz on the right wing and with uh, Olafson on the left wing, you have two just elite level shots on either side of Eichel who possesses his own like elite level shot. And but a dynamic player, and I think he is. I have him ranked. Uh, fourth on my list right now I think he's just such a dynamic player he can score goals but he's also a very good playmaker he has excellent vision and he's I think he's a better skater than Holtz too so I would give him the edge to play with Eichel just for the fact that I think he would be able to keep up with him better uh how about a guy like Jack Quinn I know he's not he doesn't get a lot of talk about being a high pick like he, the Sabres probably won't even consider him an option with the seventh overall pick but from whatever whenever I've seen Jack Quinn play like I, I don't see many holes in his game I see a really good goal scorer who really has a lot of work ethic he wasn't even on a line with Marco Rossi throughout the year I don't see why he is so low on so many draft rankings so what do you think about a guy like jack quinn the goal scorer for the auto 67s yeah like you said i mean i think he 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 is a good goal scorer i think and you look at the fact that he didn't have like all of his ice time with rossi so you have to create that separation but that that's just a testament to how deep this class is that normally he probably would be top 10 top seven pick in a normal draft where the talent's a little more spread out, but because of how good it is, he falls into that kind of 10 to 15 range. Uh, right now I have him 14th, but like, I mean, if, if they were to, if the Sabres were to choose to take Jack Quinn, I wouldn't necessarily be upset with it because I think he just projects very well. He's a natural goal scorer and he has a lot of skill, especially on the offensive side of things that we're in desperate need of. So he fits he checks all the boxes for someone that you would want to bring into your organization. Uh, the only thing that I've seen people put against him is he's older. Yeah, you obviously prefer a younger player. Like One of the big things that's brought up is Quentin Byfield is almost like a whole year younger than Frenier and Tim Stutzla. Yeah. That's something to keep an eye out for, but Quinn's a really nice player. I think whoever gets him should be very happy with who they got. One player who I think would be a perfect fit, the kind of player that they need in Buffalo is Anton Lundell. He, before the season started, he was kind of like a consensus top five pick. Why is he on down so far on draft boards? It's a product of just kind of how good some of these other players are that are rising up. And I think Lundell is one of the few guys that could possibly step into the league next year. You know, I mean, he is your, your Ryan O'Reilly, basically. He is great in the offensive zone, great in the defensive zone. He's a two-way center that is playing 
at age 18 in Liga right now and is dominating that. I know if you look at some of the the advanced stats on him, his shot share is he's one of the best in the entire league of of men over there. And it's amazing for an 18-year-old to go in and do something like that. So um, I think really what um, people are kind of maybe knocking him on is he's not necessarily as good of a skater as some of the other guys. Not that he's a bad skater. It's just the top end of skaters in this class is very good. And I think that um, he's got a a very good skill set, but again, it's not up there with like the Lucas Raymonds, the Byfields, the Lafreniere's, the Rossies, where it's those guys are just elite offensive producers. And um, but some of those guys come with some with risk too. So uh, I, I do like Lindell a lot. I just if I'm drafting there, I'm gonna take a swing on the highest ceiling guy that I can at that point that I don't feel has a lot of risk and. Um, he's just, uh, he's fallen down a little bit just for the fact that some of these other guys are so good, but, um, I wanted to touch on a point you made a little bit ago about Jack Quinn being one of the older players. And it was something I noticed recently too, is the fact that a lot of these guys in the kind of the top 10 to 15 are on the older side, you know, Rossi was only eight days away from being in last year's draft. Lafreniere is an October birthday. There's a few other guys that are October birthdays. And I don't, I haven't been able to make an opinion on it yet, but I wonder if that may be a reason why we're looking at this class as being so much better than the others is the fact that they're more developed than we typically see for the high end talent consistently. I can definitely see that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, cause when I think in, in the TCB group chat last week, we were talking about how, things would go if like you combined both draft classes together and we tried ranking them based off of that and i personally ranked a lot of steers up higher than last year in the top 10 at least and yeah it was just a fun exercise i encourage any of you who like on the draft to like combine this year and last year's class to see how they stack up against each other as if they were all meshed into one uh, there's one one more player that I've questioned for you. Uh, Hendricks Lapierre, he, who going into this season, he was highly touted, definitely looked like he was projecting to be a top 10 pick. But uh, he had a couple, two or three injuries, maybe neck injuries. I don't remember exactly what it was. But in there somewhere. He had some injury issues for sure. So like we've mentioned so many times like he's that two-way center that would be in theory a really good pick for the sabers and obviously they're not going to pick him seventh overall but what i'm thinking is is it possible for him to slide all the way down to the second round for the sabers to pick him because i think perfect world the best possible option for him for buffalo sabers in the second round if he slides so far due to the injuries. I don't think he'll slide that far. It would love that. That would be fantastic. But I think just uh, his offensive skill set, and he's a very, he's so good and he just got derailed by injuries, but he's already proven a lot to, 
teams that I'm sure have been scouting him for many years to not knock him down too far because he is arguably a top 10 to 15 talent, um, but he just didn't get a chance to put his skills on display this year for a full season. Uh, see, there's a lot of centers in draft class. You look at Marco Rossi, Tim Stutzla, Cole Perfetti. Do you see all these guys playing center and being able to play center in the NHL, or do you see them more as wingers when they make the jump? For the most part, I could see them playing center. I think Rossi is... It's hard to knock him off the puck, and he is already a very good two-way player. You know, he's good back checker. He's good at identifying, like, how to break up uh, plays in transition, like in the neutral zone especially. So I think he his game projects fine as a center in the NHL. Uh, same for Lindell. I think you're just looking at the um, – I've seen him compared to Miko Koivu, so – just a, a natural center, you know, it's, you're not going to want to put him on the wing and he, like, he should be able to translate his game very fine. Um, Cole Perfetti, maybe you'd want to put on the wing. Um, I don't think that you may want to try him on the wing first before you would put him at center, at least. Uh, it's not that he's a slow player, but I think he would have a tough time playing at the NHL speed right out of the gate and, maybe a couple years after. So he should probably get uh, some time in the wing as he starts out his NHL career. But everyone else I kind of think projects pretty well that that's listed as a center that I think they should have no problem transitioning. Good stuff. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for that. Uh, Luke, are you there? I am here. (laughs) Um, I, I just tweeted you guys, actually, I had to step out for a moment. Um, I, I got your notification. Yes. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm after it. <laughs> it was fun. Nature's call. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Everything uh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. We're going to have to do this more often just in case nature calls again. All oh, right. Yes. Uh, I mean, even besides that, I thought this went really good. I thought it was very enjoyable having um, three folks here. All right. Now, questions. I don't think we got many of them, but. Uh, yeah, it looks like we got like two or three. Uh, this one comes from Rob. Will be the second line center next year. What realistic moves can Jason Bowerill make to shore up that position? Also, where does Tage Thompson play next season? Oh, um, oh, Joe, now that you said it earlier, I really think they're going to do the Cousins thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, depends on how they handle it. They, I'm not saying they essentially need to trade for, I don't think, they don't need to trade for Thomas Hurdle tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to happen. They find a stopgap third line center to because if they, essentially, they could play Dylan Cousins on the second line, put Skinner and Reinhardt on his wings, and he probably do. He'll probably do fine. I think Dylan Cousins could definitely hold his own in the NHL. He's physically mature. That's yeah. something that Middlestat didn't have. If they set him up for success and don't neglect the center position after him, I think that's fine. As long as they get another center who 
is capable, a capable 30 to 40 point producer who can play defense. Yeah. Like, wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, it would have to be trade for me. I don't really think anyone's too equipped to jump into the second line center outside of Ryan Hart. Like Eric Halla. Would Eric Halla move the needle for any of you guys is top gap? I feel better. Um, yeah, feel better. I definitely feel better. He he wouldn't be like you said. He'd be a stopgap. Wouldn't be an immediate. immediate exactly, player. like a one or a two year deal. I think I think he's had injury issues over the past couple of years. The money's not going to be crazy. Why not? Like he'd be good. He'd be a good fit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Trade would cost. I really, really uh, Fusion Hopkins. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, that would be fun. I would think that. Edmonton would prefer to keep him. That's the thing. And I'm not trading the seventh overall pick for Nugent Hopkins. And he's got like two years left and he's off to free agency. Yeah, that's why I'm hesitant to like say that they have to trade for somebody because I I don't want to think about um what they'd have to give up. You know? The center crop for free agency is bad. Like Hollas he's the center available and there's nothing really remotely yeah. close to a second line that would be available. So they would have to be the trade route. One thing we know for sure, they can't go into next season with Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestad as your second and third line centers, whichever way you go about it. If Middlestad and Thompson show up next year and are good, it's found money, but you can't bank on that happening because that's how... Uh, 2018 happens, and that's how 2019 happens, and that's how 2020 happens. Yeah, I think you really want Tejas spot in your third line winger, and that's optimistically. You know, I don't into anything higher than that right now. All right. Uh, Tage Thompson. I think he's in Rochester to finish the rest of that question. Okay. Uh. Lion hockey fan, what happened between the Pagulas and Pat LaFontaine? There is definitely some animosity there. He was never invited to 90s night. Why, why, why? Okay. Uh, Pat LaFontaine signed a non-disclosure agreement after the falling out in 2014. No, I don't know if anyone really knows. I don't know if you guys know anything, but it seems like the relationship there is just completely has completely been severed. Yeah, I got nothing on that. Yeah, nothing weird. I I I, I, I kind of see it all just like uh, hearsay for the most part. Yeah. All right, and then the last question from uh, Connor Hellwig: If the Pagulas sold the team to a local celebrity slash figure, who would you trust to get the Sabers back on track? And I, I couldn't think of anyone for this. I know Luke spent probably a good thirty <laughs> minutes trying to track down celebrities. Oh, the area, but you got yeah, anything? Curtis, you have anything? Because I need a few more minutes to think. A few more seconds. Well, I would go. I think it's not a fun answer, but Robert Rich. All right, getting back really? into the Buffalo business. Are, are the Wilson? Is are Ralph Wilson's family? Are they wealthy still? Like, would they be any potential? I don't even them? know what they did to get wealthy. <laughs> like, I think like uh, I have no idea. I think, though, they're so detached. I mean, hell, they were detached from Buffalo when he was still alive. You know? So, I've, I I doubt they'd want anything to do with a hockey team. You know what? Um, 
I feel like I gotta go with this. Um, how about the Goo Goo Dolls? What better team? What better group of people to bring better days to Buffalo than the people who wrote the song? <laughs> I actually <laughs> I mean, thought about that. I didn't. Think I was actually gonna bring it up, but I, when he said local celebrities, I thought the first thing that came to mind was the Goo Goo Dolls. You know, um, uh, Robbie Takehatch, I think his name is the the guitarist or the bassist. Um, I think he's a guitarist. He uh went to the same school that you and I are going to, Joe. Uh, and I passed him in a stairwell a few years ago when he was visiting the school with one of our professors, uh, that you know, like the head of the uh the comm department. And she looked at me and she goes, like, Do you know who this is? And I was just like awestruck because I had a feeling, but I couldn't think of the name. I'm not I'm not a Goo Dolls fan, you can probably tell. Um, and like so my jaw just kind of dropped. And she goes, This is uh this is Robbie from the Goo Dolls. And I'm like, Oh, hello. Or I don't know what I said. But he's like, How you doing, buddy? <laughs> and then let's like went on his merry way. So he's a nice man. But funny story there. My pick would be the Anaheim Ducks owner. I think his name is Henry Samueli or something like that. He's from Buffalo. Uh, my dream would for him to sell the Anaheim Ducks and then keep keep the Ducks in Anaheim. I'm sure someone would do that, but uh, him to pursue make possibly his childhood favorite team, the Buffalo Sabers, and then uh, you know obviously what? the Ducks. The Ducks aren't really that great off financially, but at least their owner isn't a scumbag. <laughs> you know what? It sucks that all this stuff had to happen during quarantine because we could have said Jeremy Jacobs. But he's a scumbag too. Yeah, yeah we don't want so him. you don't want him. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyone else got anything before we close out here? Um. Uh no, I guess maybe just um. You know, maybe it look it looks like things are going in the right direction for everybody. Uh, stuff is starting to open up, so maybe we can all be uh. A little happier soon doing stuff with um our friends and whatnot um just a message. arm heels yeah hopefully your arm heels um everyone keep a positive attitude because uh it actually seems like things are going to be better quicker than we thought um as long as we all keep doing what we're doing yes agreed also i want to mention one thing really quick uh, Luke, Luke and I, we're graduates of Lancaster High School, yes. and uh, I don't know if you heard or anything, but apparently the senior class this year thought it was a good idea to uh, meet up in front of a movie theater, a local movie theater, and there, were pr- there was probably like at least 100 kids here. I saw a picture, and none of them were wearing masks, and they were all very close to each other. That's just so stupid. I, Leave I just it to Lancaster. That's service announcer, folks. People have families. People like you don't know what is going on. Mm-hmm. Like you just just be careful. Just don't do anything stupid. I, I, and everyone else, we're all sick of staying at home. I am b- literally broken right now, Amen. physically and mentally. Amen. And I have to stay home. This boy has went through a lot. Stay, stay home for everyone. Yes. Yeah. 
it's it's hard. Yeah, I'm bored too. I want to go out and I want to see my friends and I want to see my family. Yeah. But don't be there selfish. Is not be some selfish. there's not some kind of flat earther conspiracy going on where people want you to stay inside. The best sentiment that I've seen is that just because you're sick of it doesn't mean it's over. Okay? Just mm. please God. Just do what do what they tell you, okay? Everyone wants to be Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin and go against authority all the time, but dear God, not now, please. Because the bottom line is, the people who hold the power that can actually open us back up aren't going to listen to you if you're doing that. So just you know, they're not going to listen to the people who are doing that. So just, and by you doing this, it's only going to make it worse. Right? It's a losing. How, how many people? Say one person. One person has the virus. Mm-hmm. Was there? Okay, how many people there are exactly. now infected? The whole thing started with one person. Think about that. How many? Because how many more people are in that group of it now? And okay, now they go home. Mm-hmm. Go home and see their family. Okay. Now, how many more people have it? Yes. That's, that's how an outbreak starts. That's literally yeah. how an outbreak starts. And now, okay. Now, let's say you go home and your grandma lives at your house. Mm-hmm. Grandma's staying with you. Your father has an autoimmune disorder. Okay, and now people are dying. Like, just be smart, people. Right. That's all I want to say. Protest at the um, polls. Protest at the that? polls. It's almost election season. Protest them. Hmm. 100%. Yeah, that's all I got for that. Just want a a little public service announcement there. Use this as a platform, but just be smart. I I know people who I know someone who has it right now, and it's not easy. It's my my sister's boyfriend has it, and his father just recently died. It's hard. People are dying. Just be stupid. Curtis, are you going to say something? Sorry, sorry, Joe. Wait. I'm in a complete agreement with you guys. I think this is is a great message to send, and we just gotta. Flattening the curve, and we still have a long way to go before it goes away. So, yep, we're almost there. And you know what? Um, just one more thing. I and listen, it's not getting political. This isn't a political issue. It's 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 a common sense issue. And the people, like, there's people who um protest who say like you know the big thing on that side is common sense. They say they all say they have common sense. Common sense is realizing that. Things aren't going to open up because you say it is. Like, common sense is realizing, okay, well, unfortunately, this guy has power, and um, we just have to follow him through. Because your word is not going to change. And that's my rule. Okay, well, that, that's our little public service announcement. I hope people actually st- stuck around long enough to hear that, because mm-hmm. I think that's important to talk about with everything that's going on right now i hope it ends soon i, I i'd love to go to a restaurant and get some chicken wings again for oh god's God, sake you're probably like, dying yeah oh, i door i've been door dashing every i can't go anywhere I, I can i can finally drive again i've been like, door dashing so much like 36 bucks for 20 wings i know oh. i know I, I feel like a moron every time i do it oh but, i i cut that out but, of my budget i can't do that <laughs> anymore chipotle yeah, is where it's at it's hard but yeah, uh, I one thing I've learned is during this time of distress and pain and suffering for me over the past Good two Lord. weeks, your true friends are. Mm-hmm. 
that's what I've come to learn. Like, I got some friends that are like coming, bringing me stuff. Oh God! They bring me cards, and like one of my friends, a couple of my friends, they brought me like a basket of food, and like, like God. I must be a horrible friend then. Oh no, no, I, that's not a shot at you. I didn't mean like that, but like people checking in on me, like old teachers checking in on me, like literally every day, asking how I'm doing, getting a random email from former professor seeing that they heard about what happened like that's nice it's just great like it goes a long way i appreciated it like man absolutely yeah so hopefully the suffering is over now and everything is on the up and up but a very painful couple weeks for me physically and mentally so yeah (laughs) yes i i know it's God, I, I don't have, I mean, I feel like I can't say anything because, like, obviously, it sucks. No words are going to make you feel better. <laughs> I feel oh, yeah. like if I just leave you, like, I don't have to say anything. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you've had just awful, Jesus. Yeah. Awful Hang in there, Joe. Hang in there, Joe, indeed. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, that's I, I, unless you guys got anything else, I think that's it. You know now, what, right? uh, Curtis, thank you for coming on. That's why I wanted to. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. I'm glad to finally jump on and do this and talk about prospects. That's yes. my passion. We can do like a full out round table podcast eventually with oh, literally everyone. I would I think that would be would be great to have everyone on. But yeah, that's all we got for this episode. We'd like to thank Curtis for hopping on the show. Curtis, can you give your information for people to find you? At Curtis TCB seven one six. Perfect. I'm going to follow lots of good prospect content and stuff on the chargingbuffalo.net, our website that Curtis puts out uh, covering the NHL draft and Sabres prospects. You can follow uh, myself on Twitter, JoeTCBNHL, and Luke as well, LVKET. Follow the Charging Buffalo on Twitter and Instagram at the Charging Buff. And also go give our the sponsors of the show, Justition, a follow at Justition. They're also having an eSports tournament coming up, an NHL 20 tournament uh, in collaboration with Zale, I believe. Uh, I just want to quickly find all the information on that to give it to you guys. Full information is on their Twitter, so definitely go check that out if that interests you in an NHL 20 eSports tournament. It looks like some money and is up for grabs and also possibly uh, some donations for to help the COVID effort too. So. For a good cause, so definitely check that out. And use code TCB at checkout at Justition's website to save 10% off your order. So can't go wrong with that. Lots of good stuff available there. And as always, we appreciate you guys for listening. We're going to hopefully be back to you guys next week uh, for another episode of the Charging Buffalo Podcast. Have a good one.